Well, good afternoon, everyone, and happy Friday. Welcome to this week's Fireside Chat. I'm Lisa Stearns. I am here, of course, with Dr. Tim Cross, our Senior Vice President. We will be updating you today on the latest information regarding our COVID-19 cases, both within the university and institute. And we'll be talking about some changes that have been made to our guidelines. And then, of course, we will be taking your questions. But first, a few reminders, as always. Please keep your audio muted so that everyone can hear the conversation. And of course, there is the chat function for you to use to ask questions. You can post them publicly or you can send them privately to me and we'll make sure to get to as many as we possibly can. A recording of this session is always made and posted to the UTIA coronavirus website. You can find that link on our new homepage, which is utia.tennessee.edu. So we'll jump right in and Tim, um, students are officially back on campus. So what does the situation look like as far as cases and how those are being handled? Thanks uh, for kicking us off again, Lisa, and welcome everyone. As usual, it's uh, great to see you and uh, appreciate those of you that have taken the time to join us today. Uh, I do want to provide some updates on some facts and figures, if you will, uh, with regard to coronavirus and, and update everyone on sort of the, the uh, situation here on campus as well as across the state. But I thought I also ought to maybe make a few comments uh, uh, based on the fact that we've had another shooting this week. And we've certainly seen uh, a lot of violence, uh, a lot of bloodshed uh, that none of us uh, certainly uh, want to see happening uh, across our country. Uh, and it reminded me that I haven't done much of a, an update with the group lately uh, with regard to the Institute's uh, efforts uh, related to diversity and social justice. So I want to tell you to be on the lookout uh, the next few days for an announcement of the new uh, director position that we've established, a uh, director for uh, uh, diversity, uh, equity, and inclusion for the UT Institute of Agriculture. This will be the first time we've had such a position. Uh, and I'm, you know, it's probably long overdue in some respects, but the good news is we've, we've got that put together. We've got a search committee in place. Uh, and I want to thank uh, Dr. Dave White and Dr. Sharon Jean-Philippe for co-chairing that search committee. So uh, we have not forgotten about the fact that while the country's struggling with, with coronavirus, uh, we're also struggling with, with social justice issues. And I want to make sure our institute's doing its part as well. So Watch for that uh, position announcement. And then uh, my, my plan is that as soon as we get a director hired, the, the very next urgent thing we need to do is appoint a diversity council and really start to lay down some, some specific plans and actions uh, within the Institute as well. So I, I know that doesn't directly answer Lisa's question, but I wanted to make sure and work that in uh, this afternoon before I uh, got myself off track. So coming back to uh, Lisa's question, what is the situation uh, both on campus here and across the state. Well, let me just uh, share a few facts, uh, data points with you, and most of these you can find yourself if, if you uh, really want to stay up on things. They uh, largely are available at the UT Knoxville website uh, that, that uh, indicates the number of uh, positive cases and the number of self-isolations uh, among employees uh, and among students. So let's start uh, with the University of Tennessee as a whole. Uh, in terms of the Knoxville area, including the Institute of Agriculture, 
across the, the whole uh, uh, campus, and that includes our off-campus locations. There are currently six positive uh, cases among employees, uh, and there are currently 143 positive cases among students. So that's uh, the current numbers in terms of positive cases. And then uh, if you uh, take that a little further and say, all right, that's how many positive cases there are, those individuals have likely had direct contacts uh, with others in the organization, or there may be individuals who have had direct contacts with positive cases outside of, of our campus. What do those numbers look like? We currently have 70 employees in self-isolation and 774 students in self-isolation. So those sound like some big numbers, uh, and particularly the 774 students in self-isolation. Remember that those include not only students who may be experiencing symptoms, but the largest uh, portion of them are actually students who believe they have had uh, direct contact uh, with someone uh, that is a positive case, or they've been listed as a direct contact uh, for someone that, that has a, a positive case of uh, COVID-19. So there are a number of uh, students certainly in self-isolation at this time, uh, but uh, at, at this point it's also uh, deemed manageable where we have self-isolation places, uh, residences uh, for those who are residential students, and for those that are off-campus uh, residents, uh, they're self-isolating uh, in their own facilities, or many of them uh, may have chosen to go home. So that's the overall numbers, uh, statistics, if you will, for the university. And again, those figures include uh, not only UT Knoxville, but also the Institute of Agriculture. So if you probe down just a little bit in those numbers, I said there were six positive cases among employees across both UTK and UTIA. Among those six, there is currently only one positive case uh, that is a UTIA employee. So one out of six uh, is, is a, a Institute of Ag employee. And then uh, we have out of the 70 employees in self-isolation, uh, 12 of those are employees within the Institute. So our numbers remain very, very low and, and uh, actually uh, showing no sign of increasing at this point. That's, that's good news. We don't want any cases, but uh, managing to, to have only one positive case is certainly good. And while I certainly can't share the, the uh, it, specifics about that case, it's an off-campus case at this point. So uh, on campus, we, we actually have no positive cases currently uh, among UTI employees. If you look uh, nationally, uh, the U.S., uh, things seem to be improving. Uh, we're not getting better overnight, certainly, but the, the trend is that uh, the seven-day average number of new cases is decreasing. We've been seeing, on average, 50,000 or more cases a day, and now we're down closer to 40,000 cases per day. So that, again, is a, a very large number of cases. However, uh, the, the trend is decreasing rather than increasing. And that's certainly good news. And, and if you look even further or, or look a little more closely uh, at our uh, state situation, in Tennessee, we're seeing basically the same trend, that the overall uh, average number of new cases is decreasing. Uh, at our peak, we were uh, averaging around 2,300 new cases per day. And currently, uh, we're closer to uh, 1,200 cases per day, again, on average, and that's a rolling average. 
So I've thrown a lot of numbers, a lot of statistics at you, but uh, you know, so I, let me just summarize it by saying this. We've got a few positive cases among employees. We've got several positive cases among students. We have a lot of students in self-isolation, but that's uh, in a manageable sort of uh, caseload at this time. Very low numbers of uh, positive cases and self-isolations within the Institute. And nationally and here in Tennessee, the, the trend uh, is starting to look much more positive. So wrap, it, wrap that question up with, with those remarks. Well, and that is good news. And, and I have actually heard from the medical community that um, some of that is really attributable to the fact that people are taking wearing masks and using precautions seriously. Is that, are you seeing that within uh, our, organ, our organization? Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, we've been, as I've shared the last couple of weeks, we've been starting to do a few more meetings, events, or activities. Uh, we've certainly, you know, welcomed uh, a lot of students back to campus. There's more interactions taking place, uh, both uh, on campus and across the state, and yet our numbers have not changed. I do attribute that to the fact that uh, we're doing those things that really seem to make a difference. Uh, washing our hands, staying socially distant, uh, certainly wearing a mask uh, anytime we're around other people and, and not coming to work if we are sick or feel like we, we may be getting sick uh, and, and filing the self-isolation reports uh, just to be on the safe side. So I do think all those practices are demonstrating that, that we, can, we can manage, we can stay safe even in the midst of, of uh, this pandemic. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. So, well, we've also made some updates to the UTIA guidelines, and would you like to share the details of those? Yeah, I'm glad to, and, and they're posted already, so you can go look at them, and, and act, honestly, the, the changes are pretty small, all in all. There's one, one uh, sort of specific change, and that is uh, we had uh, established that international travel would be restricted through September 30th of this year it's now clear that international travel is not gonna be possible anytime soon. So uh, in, in conjunction with UT Knoxville, we've extended the international travel restriction through December 31st, uh, 2020. Now in saying that, uh, there's also always been in place an opportunity to uh, submit a, a request for an exception to that uh, restriction and that exception process is still there. So if there's really, really high priority travel that needs to be done to an international destination, it, that can still be submitted as a request for an exception. Uh, but uh, in general, I think we're, we're gonna see that international travel really isn't largely feasible anyway, uh, given the current uh, status of uh, coronavirus here in the US. And so we're gonna extend that travel restriction through the end of this calendar year at, at this point in time. Domestic travel remains uh, available, but uh, it does require pre-approval. So don't make any you know, reservations, pay any uh, registration fees or anything else uh, until your domestic uh, travel outside of the state of Tennessee is approved in advance. Uh, otherwise, the changes we made in the guidelines are really removing some, some uh, uh, guidance that was no longer relevant or needed. Some of it dated back clear to March. Uh, and, and simply making sure we were in line with university guidance, with state guidance, uh, and with CDC guidance. And I, I think we've got things uh, very, very well aligned in, in all cases. Let me just also uh, 
use this opportunity to remind everyone that if you uh, either feel uh, that you're starting to exhibit symptoms or if you feel you've been in direct contact with someone that is a positive case, uh, you should report that to your supervisor and you should complete the self-isolation form, uh, which is online and it's linked uh, both in the guidelines and it's linked on the UTIA website as well as the UTK website. So it's really important that you do that. If you're on campus, that triggers the facilities response uh, that either closes the space that you might have been in or uh, provides deep cleaning in that space. Uh, it also, of course, uh, keeps, keeps our uh, 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 leadership team informed as to what our status is and who's, who may be impacted. Uh, it enables your supervisor to make plans for any responsibilities that need to be covered. So just a reminder there, no change, but just a reminder, continue to uh, uh, re report using that self-isolation form if you need to. And something that we haven't really stressed, but which I'm now realizing is almost equally important, if you are required to self-isolate or if you choose to self-isolate because of a direct contact, you need to also uh, let us know when that isolation period is complete. Uh, and that may be the result of a, uh, advice or recommendation from your healthcare provider, or it may simply be that um, the, the period of time has passed, but it's getting very difficult to track uh, who's, who's still actively in self-isolation because it, we, we can't rely upon just the number of days that have passed. If it's someone exhibiting symptoms, we need to be assured that they're long, no longer exhibiting symptoms, no longer symptomatic. So uh, both uh, reporting on that form and then reporting to your supervisor uh, or communicating with your supervisor that the self-isolation period is complete. Uh, those are two really critical things to help us manage better and, and to support you better uh, as well. And then finally, remember, we've got some guidance in, in our UTIA guidelines about uh, conducting meetings and about attending meetings. And I know as, as we start to get more active uh, across campus and across state, there, there seem to be more questions about that. Uh, the, uh, the guidance that's out there hopefully will help you and, and if necessary, uh, conversation with your supervisor determine when it's appropriate to conduct a meeting or when it may be appropriate to attend a meeting uh, that perhaps you've been invited to attend. Uh, we don't have a blanket prohibition on, on either conducting or attending meetings. What we say is you, you should attend them if, if it's necessary, if it's helpful or valuable, and if it can be done safely. And then there's a number of uh, questions or conversation points uh, around those meetings uh, to help make that decision and determine whether uh, it is an opportunity that should should be pursued or not. And that, that's pretty much uh, all the updates uh, that we have. The rest of the guidance uh, really hasn't changed. And, you know, I, I think everyone actually should feel good about that. Changing guidelines on a frequent basis means we're in a very shifting, dynamic, fluid situation. And, and really, our, our guidelines haven't hardly changed uh, since about uh, June at this point. So that's good. That means our situation's more stable. Uh, and we are able to really respond and adapt to the situation that we're facing, and we're doing so uh, productively and, and uh, positively uh, without increasing our number of cases. So again, uh, that's a very positive uh, outcome as far as I'm concerned. And Tim, that um, self-isolation form is on the coronavirus website? It is, yes. Uh, and. Uh, 
we could actually screen share if we wanted, but uh, I believe it's also actually linked in our guidelines. There's a link there as well. So you can get to it from a number of different places. Great. So just a reminder to everyone, we are ready to take questions. Um, I am going to ask one, and that is just a clarification uh, for everyone on in-state travel, because we do get a lot of questions about that. But uh, in-state travel, there are no restrictions. Is that correct? The, there, there are, uh, let me see how to answer that. There are no restrictions against travel. What there are requirements as to how you travel. So we're not going to pile 10 people in a six passenger van and, uh, and, you know, troop across the state. We've got to be smart. So we're not going to restrict travel, but we are going to require that you do it safely. And if you're using a university vehicle, uh, again, there's guidance about uh, what that entails. Basically for a, a automobile, uh, the maximum is two people in an automobile, one in the front seat, one in the back. Uh, for uh, a van, I think the limit is four, for uh, a minivan, if you will, and so forth. So all of that information is spelled out, uh, and, and you'll want to follow that if, if you're going to be using uh, a university vehicle. In your personal vehicle, obviously, you know, you've got to make those decisions yourself, uh, but uh, let's remember that you're supposed to be six feet apart from anyone uh, uh, that you're interacting with, you're supposed to be wearing a mask if you're near someone else and exposed. All those uh, guidance uh, uh, requirements still apply even if you're traveling. And then there's a lot of information uh, available about how to travel safely. CDC has an extensive amount of information about that. Think about, you know, when you're uh, traveling across the state and you're stopping to fuel up uh, think about the surfaces you're touching when you have an opportunity to wash your hands or use uh, some type of uh, hand sanitizer. You know, there's, there's ways to do it and, and again, stay safe uh, in the process. So uh, lodging, there's considerations as well, restaurants and so forth. So all of that still is really required to be adhered to, but we're not restricting travel. So that may sound like uh, I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth, but uh, do it, but do it safely. I think that's the real answer. Great. Well, actually, that's a great segue into uh, a question we've received, and that is the CDC recently eliminated the 14-day self-isolation guideline for out-of-state domestic travel. Has our policy changed with the CDC change? It hasn't. Actually, the CDC has caught up to us, I think, uh, because we had not required a 14-day self-isolation period. We had suggested, and still in our guidelines, uh, the suggestion is visit with your supervisor, talk about where you've been, how you traveled, uh, what your uh, accommodations were as you traveled, who you came into contact with, and whether it was an area that had a lot of positive cases or not and then make a determination what makes sense. If, if it's all right to return directly to the workplace or if you should uh, work remotely for uh, 14 days. So, and I think that's precisely what, what CDC is uh, suggesting as well, that you don't absolutely have to uh, self-isolate, but uh, if you've been to a, a hotspot, if you will, if you've been in direct contact with others, certainly then uh, uh, self-isolation is, is really important in those cases. Well, Tim, either you have just answered every possible question that could ever be asked, or 
we have a group that is really anxious for the weekend. So. <laughs> well, aren't we all anxious for the weekend? Although it looks like it could be a little soggy this weekend. Uh, hopefully we won't see any damaging weather like, uh, like they experienced down in Lake Charles. So Absolutely. We'll, we'll see uh, how that plays out. Um, we do, actually another question just came through. Um, parking lots are quite accessible now. Um, any estimates on the percentage of faculty back on campus and the percentage of time per week on campus? And do you have just a general expectation for, for them? No, that's a great question. So, you know, um, my, my perception is we probably got about 20 to 25% uh, of our employees back on campus, somewhere in that range. And that's partly by looking at, at our parking lots. Uh, that seems like about the, the amount of vehicles I'm seeing. Uh, and what, what I'm also seeing though, is not the same vehicles every day. And so when, when the question about, well, what percentage of our workforce is back, I think it's much higher than that, but it's on a rotational basis or a staggered basis. And that's what we want. We, we don't want you know, all hands on deck and then we have some outbreak actually occur that, that does spread uh, in spite of our best intentions. And then we're all forced to, to be offline or at least working remotely. So uh, I think we're at a good place. Uh, my sense is uh, our offices are open and accessible as we said they needed to be. I have yet to have anyone contact me to say, gosh, I needed some help and no one was available or no office would respond. I think you all have been doing a great job uh, providing uh, education, research and extension, clinical services uh, to the people that need it. Uh, if, if there's complaints out there, they're not, not making their way to my office. So uh, I believe that's an indication that, uh, that we're at a good level, that we're providing uh, the, the uh, accessibility and the support that's needed. And I'd say let's keep on what we're doing because thus far, I think uh, it's been very positive. Um, this is not related to COVID, but somebody asked if you could uh, just share the changes in extension as far as um, Rob Holland joining and Dr. Boschermol's service. I'm really not sure how to respond to anything that's not uh, COVID. Uh, let me think here. <laughs> uh, well, certainly uh, those of you in extension, I, I know have seen the announcement that uh, Dr. Boschermol has uh, opted to return to the faculty, uh, into a faculty role in the Department of Biosystems, Engineering, and Soil Science. He's done a great job for the past three plus years, uh, really provided excellent leadership there. Uh, I know Mike will be missed in that role, but we're glad to have his continued uh, contributions to the Institute uh, through the department. Uh, coming in behind Mike, uh, we have Rob Holland from the Center for Profitable Agriculture. Uh, Rob's got a great background uh, with extension. I uh, first got to know Rob when I came in 1994. He was working here in Jefferson County as an area specialist. Uh, and from there, he's gone on to lead the Center for Profitable Agriculture over in Spring Hill. Uh, Rob, I think, is as familiar with our, all of our counties and all of our specialists. He's, he's got a great connection there with, with the whole whole state. So I, I know he can use that knowledge and that, that experience uh, very effectively in, in the role of interim assistant dean there. So uh, I expect uh, Dr. Sensiman uh, is glad to have the help. 
I expect Dr. Bushamol is glad to have the relief, and uh, I expect Mr. Holland is uh, looking forward to a challenge. So I'm not sure if any or all of them might be on today, but uh, I know those changes have occurred. And just want to uh, thank Dr. Sensman for his uh, continuing good leadership uh, of Extension, uh, working as a member of the, the Dean's Office and our Executive Committee. Great. Well, um, honestly, that looks like it um, as far as questions are concerned. So, Tim, do you have some final remarks you'd like to make? Oh, just a few. You know, I, I always try to wrap up on a positive note, but really, by and large, I feel like our discussion today has been pretty positive. So I'm not sure I need to, to give my usual pep talk. But let me just say uh, how, how fortunate uh, I have felt to work with a group that really just rolls up their sleeves, comes to work, does what ne what's needed. And when I say comes to work, that may be remotely, but uh, really, you know, shows up, does what's needed, responds to students, responds uh, to clients and customers, uh, responds to our research partners, and, and just really has, has uh, all of you have done a great job keeping things moving. So uh, thank you for that. As far as our discussion today, you know, I told Lisa, I suspect our chats might start getting a little shorter, and that's a good thing, because that means we're not developing all new things. We're not rolling out all new approaches. We're, we're really simply moving ahead with what's in place. We're staying up to date, and I want to have these opportunities to keep you informed, but I, I honestly hope we don't have uh, hours and hours worth of discussion that we have to share with you to uh, to update you on new, uh, new or upcoming uh, items, I'd like for us to, to really have the uh, ability to focus even more on, on our day jobs, if you will, and, uh, and really move, move ahead in the coming years. Uh, I'll, I'll wrap up by saying uh, we've got uh, an interesting uh, chat plan next week. Uh, we're going to hear from some students. Uh, I thought, you know, we got students back on campus. We're doing more 4-H events with students. Maybe we ought to hear what their experiences have been like, and we might learn a few things uh, from them as well. So we'll, we'll have a group uh, join us next week, invite them to make some remarks, and, and give you a chance to ask them questions as well. So uh, that's a plug for next week's program. And uh, with that, I'm just going to say thanks for all you do uh, as usual. Have a great weekend. Stay dry, stay safe, and stay healthy. Sounds great. Thanks so much, Tim. And thanks everyone for joining us. Have a great weekend.